Hey, Brian. Hey, John. How are you? So uh, we're in for a good one today, folks, because um, our guest is an expert in an area that I think we all hear a lot about, and we all hear that it's a really important skill to possess, but we might not be crystal clear about what it actually is, and that's critical thinking. I mean, Brian, do you know what critical thinking is? Like, I mean, do you have a, a definition for it? Don't Google it, but do you, <laughs> do you actually have a definition <laughs> for it? No, I mean, it's an interesting topic, and I think, John, it's one that comes up more often than not now. Um, you start to hear people having conversations. I mean, but for me, um, curious to see how, how well I do with this, but I mean, <laughs> for me, it's sort of, you know, informed decision-making, right? That's kind of, it, when I think of critical thinking, that's sort of the path that I sort of, of head down, you know, when it comes to a defining it. All right, well, we're going we're gonna to see what our guest thinks about, <laughs> about your Could definition. be completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're all <laughs> also going to find out if um, if he actually believes critical thinking is a forever skill. In other words, a skill that will never become obsolete. And I got to say, I, I personally believe this might be a skill that will become even more critical, um, so to speak, down the road. But anyway, um, back to our guest. Today, we have with us Professor Daniel Willingham. Hey, Professor Willingham. Thanks for coming on and spending some time with us. I'm happy to be here. Um, okay, so a little bit of a little bit of background about our guest now, and and we did ask. We said, "Do you want to be called Professor Willingham, or can we call you Daniel or Dan?" And he said, "You could call call me Dan." So we're going to go down that path. So um, Dan is a professor of psychology at the University of Virginia, uh, where he's taught since 1992. He's the author of numerous books, and his research focuses on applying what's known about the brain and mind to improve learning, and of course, critical thinking. Um, all right, Dan. So Let's start with the definition for critical thinking. Potentially, we'd love you to give us one that we can all kind of maybe steal and make our own. So, so keep it kind of simple. And, and, and don't forget to tell us what you think of Brian's definition. Okay. <laughs> so let me start by saying, yeah, I'm not judgy, Brian, at all. I, all think, right. uh, I actually think your definition was, was pretty good. Uh, the way psychologists would define it is, is usually a little more broad. I mean, in truth, critical thinking is sort of an umbrella term that encompasses a lot of different cognitive processes. So you mentioned decision-making, uh, and usually we think of decision-making where you've got a limited number of paths and you're going to choose one, but we also think of problem-solving where it may be up to you to define the goal. You don't even, it's not even clear exactly what the problem is, right? So generally critical thinking we think of it as an instance where you're thinking and it your thinking is effective. So I'm gonna name three criteria of what go into critical thinking. One is that the thinking is effective given the particular goals that you have. Second, that your thinking is novel, meaning you're not simply drawing from memory. You're not you know, in, in doing something that you've done many times before, even though it might be a, a pretty impressive thinking feat. Uh, and then finally, and pretty obvious, that the thinking is self-directed, meaning you're not simply following instructions. So part of the reason that critical thinking is um, uh, it, it is a, a little difficult to define is the fact that it's um, this umbrella term, and you can see I've, I've uh, pitched a really big tent in defining it. Yeah. Uh, but also there's multiple ways of uh, getting to that critical thinking state or, or a number of different ways that you can think critically. And that's another reason why when we think about what is cognitive, uh, what is critical thinking, uh, it can be confusing. All right, Dan. So 
I mean, I love that concept of effective novel and self-directed, yeah. right? But, but just to make sure we're on the same page and really get what this means, you know, l- let me throw out sort of a scenario, right? That would sort of be yeah. familiar to a lot of the folks listening here and see if this is sort of an example of critical thinking. Now, you know, we're coming at, a, at an interesting time uh, within our business because what we try to do is we actually sort of start our planning process as it relates to our objectives, goals, and sort of um, overall direction that we're looking to take the business in the, the coming year. Our, our, our actual fiscal year starts um, April 1st. So as we start to go through this, you know, I look at this and say, okay, you know, this is a time for us to identify markets that we should or shouldn't be playing in. It's an opportunity for us to start to look at you know, how do we prioritize where we are, what we're doing, what are the things that are important to us? Do we continue to fit in places where we were in the past or do we need to revisit that? I mean, those are all sort of the the active conversations that are happening today. In your definition, is that considered critical thinking? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, that, that that's not just critical thinking. That's like uh, the technical term I would use is horrible critical thinking. <laughs> Meaning, you know, it's just like <laughs> what an incredibly complicated problem you've described, right? Where you've got sure. lots of different factors. You're not sure how to weigh them. You're not sure they all even matter. You're not a thousand percent sure even of what your goal is, maybe, right? You're right. trying to think through what direction should we be going. So absolutely that would uh that would count as critical thinking. And in fact, you would say that's a critical thinking problem with multiple parts to it, that you've got sub problems within that broader problem and decisions to be made and so forth. So yeah, that that absolutely counts. So this next question, it might be an obvious question, or, or maybe it's not. Um, can you tell us why you believe sort of we all sort of need to be critical thinkers? In other words, what are the benefits, especially in the context of business, of being a critical thinker? Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, and, and thinking about the definition that I gave, that it's you know, that your your thinking is effective, um, mm-hmm. because effective is sort of context specific. It's whatever my goals were. Uh, it's almost by definition that you would want to be a good critical thinker, because mm-hmm. any aspect of your life that requires thinking, if you're thinking critically, then things are working out, and you're uh, you're going to be more successful in reaching your goals. Uh, we do have a lot of data indicating that people who are good critical thinkers are absolutely more effective in their jobs. They make better decisions. They're better at solving problems. They're more uh, effective in in identifying goals that the uh, the, the um, that their unit should take on and uh, to further broader goals and so on. Pretty much anything you can think of, uh, and very broadly would say people who are critical thinkers just have a more realistic model of the world in their mind. They're, you know, in in a very real sense, they're sort of more in touch with reality. They sort of understand how the world works um, um, (laughs) better than someone who is not a critical thinker. But the aspects of this that you might not think of is that people who are consistently good critical thinkers also have better social relationships. People like them more. Uh, They're more likely to uh, get along with their spouses. And part of that is, again, at, at moments that it doesn't mean that you're more likely to be an empathic person. 
But at those moments that you're trying to understand others, you're probably a little bit better at it than someone who is not a good critical thinker, hmm. right? So when you're in, when you're having that give and take with a work colleague and you're really engaging and really thinking through, now let me think about their perspective on this. Why are they coming to me with this, uh, with this hmm. perspective? Uh, if you can be a little bit more effective uh, in that thinking, that's obviously going to be helpful. Yeah, I'm assuming a big part of this is is obviously curiosity. And whenever you're, and we've talked to other experts on other topics and where, where curiosity has come up. And when you're curious and asking people questions hmm. about why do you think the way you think? What, it, you know, when people hear that, they obviously, I, I think they have, I think people like those kind of people more. <laughs> so it makes sense yeah. that they have those better social relationships because you just seem like you're you're curious and you're fair. And you want to know the other person's side to the story, maybe. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really astute observation. I think you're absolutely right. You're and, and you're of course right that we all sort of enjoy talking about ourselves yeah. a little bit. Uh, but then also, yeah, as you said, though, you know, just sort of seeing like, oh, this person really cares about what you know how I see this problem. And yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're uh, I, I, that's the kind of person I'd like to deal with. So Dan, th this next question, I don't even know if it's, it's, it's kind of a multi-pronged question, I guess. And it's become sort of a series staple for us. In other words, we, we've pretty much asked everybody who's come on, <laughs> on, on these episodes to, uh, to go through this. And, and obviously the show is called Forever Skills. So we're basically considering critical thinking as a skill. And when you call something a skill, we think it implies a couple things. First, it implies levels. In other words, you might be really good at it and you have a high skill level, or you might need a little bit of help building it because you might sit at a lower level. So there's the levels. And then when you call something a skill, it also implies that you can learn it or build it or get better at it. So my first question, is there a way to know if we are good at this? Sure, just hop on the internet. There are lots of tests that'll tell you. I'm kidding. I'm totally right. kidding. Because <laughs> totally we've Sorry. seen, you know, it's funny you say that because Brian, we found some yeah. of those quizzes. I'm I was sure going to say, did, yeah. as we were sort of getting ready for this, right? I mean, yeah. there's a ton. I mean, you know, is an example, right? Critical and creative thinking quiz, the super lateral <laughs> thinking quiz. Like there's there's a million of them that are out yeah. there. And actually, you know, I, I'm curious. I mean, on that side, talk us to us a little bit. Like, are yeah. those even effective? Like, what, do you, what are your thoughts on those? Yeah, almost certainly they're not. It's so... <laughs> The yeah. thing is, I mean, the, the way you come up with it, right? I mean, well, you know, these tests are like, you know, the then you you go, you finish that quiz and then the next page tells you which Hogwarts house you're in or <laughs> right. something, right? I mean, the, the, the thing about um, that sort of testing, the way you would really want to do a test like that, there are two um, features of a test like that you would want to see. One, most obviously, is that if you score well on the test today, we think this is an enduring quality of you, right? We're saying, are you a good critical thinker or not? So you carry that property with you. Therefore, it shouldn't matter if I test you today or test you a month from today, you, you should always get the same score. Um, and so that's one property we would want to see. This is called reliability. Uh, and as it sounds like, well, that's not that, you know, obviously if I take the same test twice, then, you know, I remember what I did before. Isn't that a problem? It is. And so you, you know, there are ways to get around that problem. So it's not an, it's not an easy quality to show that the test has. 
The second quality is is uh, probably more difficult, which is called validity, which means, okay, so you scored high on this test and someone else scored low. What are the differences that we're going to see in the real world between the high score and the low score? Hmm. So depending on what we think critical thinking is, we might say, well, you know, certainly we would expect someone who scores well, they're going to you know, perform better in the workplace than someone who scores low. Or if we send them both to Starbucks, the high thinker, uh, high critical thinker is going to figure out how to hack the menu more successfully than the person who doesn't think far. All right. So we can figure out how we want to validate the test, but you have to go through that. When you see you know, something on the internet, that's almost certainly not been done. This is a very expensive process uh, to establish the reliability and validity of a test. And that's why whoever went through that work is going to be trying to get their money back. They're not going to just put it up on, uh, on the internet for free for people to take. Um, there are a few examples of what we would probably call critical thinking tests or be comfortable in saying, this gets at some aspects of critical thinking. So intelligence tests have some aspects of critical thinking in them. Most people would not say intelligence is interchangeable with critical thinking, um, but they're certainly related. Uh, and there are reliable and valid intelligence tests out there. The second uh, feature of uh, critical thinking being this willingness to engage sort of uh, thinking when other people might not think. Uh, people have just started to try to develop measures of that. And the, the ball and the bat question uh, that, that's become kind of famous, uh, and I'll, I'll read it briefly. Uh, a ball and a bat costs $1.10 in total. Bat reads, uh, excuse me, uh, the bat costs a dollar more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? And this is a problem that is uh, fairly simple if you think about it, but you're very tempted not to really think about it. So there are a number of problems on a particular test that's been devised to see whether people are likely to cognitively engage. Uh, a researcher named Keith Standovich has just came, come up with that test and he's working on, on validating it. So that's sort of a long answer, but the uh, the, brief version of the answer to the question, can critical thinking be measured? I would say aspects of critical thinking can be measured, but it's not probably as simple as we would like it to be. <laughs> Never is. And what about what about getting better at it, uh, Dan? Is there, a, is there anything we can do to become better at critical thinking? I mean, or, what should we do? Yeah, absolutely. So one thing is, I, I absolutely think, and, and I, I want to be clear here, um, there's not empirical evidence supporting what I'm about to say, but it's a fabulous idea anyway, so don't stop listening. Uh, I, I think this willingness to engage this, I think this is a habit of mind that can be developed, that recognizing a lot of times I just, I'm shooting from the hip. I'm not thinking about things very carefully and it would benefit me to to engage cognitively more often. And of course, it's not gonna pay off every time. You have to sort of recognize that. Sometimes you go into Starbucks and try and hack the menu or something, and like, there's no there's no hacking to be done. There's just nothing interesting, uh, uh, the interesting solutions that you haven't already seen. Um, but nevertheless, that habit of mind is, is worth cultivating. Um, and this is related to curiosity, I think. 
having a, a generally curious attitude about the world and recognizing that uh, on occasion you when if you maintain this attitude of curiosity occasionally you you do discover something really unexpected and really mm -hmm. interesting and that's an enormously rewarding feeling but you just have to get used to the idea that you know those 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 aren't going to come every time and that's okay you know it's still worth um maintaining that willingness to engage as a, a sort of a personality characteristic the second component of critical thinking being having uh, a really effective cognitive tool set. I think the ways I would think about uh, improving your cognitive tool set, one is trying to expose yourself to a greater, greater breadth of ideas. And I think breadth of ideas are, is really important for candidly stealing ideas that are good from other areas. So if you're, you know, uh, in sales, for example, and you know a little bit about marketing, but not really that much. Uh, and there are occasionally talks from marketing experts who come in and uh, sort of talk about the latest ideas in marketing. Absolutely, it's worth making time to go to those because even though you're in sales and you're not in marketing, what you're likely to find out from that is ideas that are absolutely obvious to everybody in marketing, but that most people in sales don't really know, or they understand at a very shallow level. And so you know your home area really, really well. Exposing yourself to ideas from other areas, you are in a really good position to see how those ideas uh, sort of fit into your knowledge domain. Uh, and sort of bring those two things together in ways that other people haven't. So this is why I say it's uh, breadth is really good for stealing ideas. We love that. And We're Dan, all about you're, that. I was just going to say, Dan, you're making John a very happy man. You don't even know. Pollinating <laughs> is like his favorite conversation to have. Yeah. So you just made his day. Yep. <laughs> uh, well, I'm, I'm delighted to have done that. And 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 I'll and again, I want to uh, you know warn listeners. It it you know, the payoff doesn't pay off every time. But when it pays off, it can pay off pretty big. Yep. And th this is a big thing in, in academia as well, because everybody's busy, right? And so like you hear about these public talks or it's not just going to, uh, I, I mentioned talks over and over again, because I think talks and podcasts, for example, are a really effective way of learning something quickly. Mm -hmm. Reading is takes a little bit more time, um, but reading broadly is also a great idea. Um, but you do have to get used to the idea uh, you know, everybody is busy. I understand like going to a talk in marketing when you're in sales, it feels like, you know, I've got so much more to do already than I possibly can do. <laughs> and so you can get frustrated when you're like, Dan, I went to, you know, three marketing talks, nothing happened. It's understood. It's a long-term investment. But when you get a nugget that's really useful, like you've got that for your lifetime. And that's going to influence everything you do going forward, yep. right, for years and decades to come. So it can it can pay off uh, in a really big way. Yep. I think that's the one reason I love podcasting so much is you do get these small snippets of information, which then allow you the opportunity yourself to create sort of and solve for that curiosity, maybe something that was said sparked an interest yeah. of some sort for you. And then it allows you to sort of, to your comments earlier, engage 
and you know be able to to go in and, and do some uh, additional exploration around a specific topic. That's why I love podcasting so much. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I I just find it enormously efficient. Uh, if I'm listening to a real expert, you know, I can learn in half an hour something. You know, I I, I pick up a book. I may not even pick up the right book. Uh, and it, even if yep. it is the right book, it's going to take me a long time. So uh, I, I also love podcasting and, and listening to experts and learning in that way. Well, Dan, you gave us a ton of information. Yeah. And I, I can't thank you enough. I mean, we really appreciate you coming on and doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was a real pleasure. Thank you for having me. And to all of you that are out there listening, I mean, use the comment section if you want to weigh in and give us feedback on this discussion, um, uh, specifically around this episode, and provide us your thoughts um, about critical thinking. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode, and thank you, for everybody, for listening. <laughs>